You're listening to On Our Radar with Louis Stokers. Bringing you the best emerging talent and independent artists from across the music scene. Tune in online via Android and ask Alexa to play under the radar music. Yes, guys, tonight on our radar, we've got Tiger Mimic in the house, a four-piece from that London who have a huge cinematic sound. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Hey, hey. All right. Thank doing you. Right. How are you? Yeah, doing our best, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got three of the band members on the line tonight. Do you want to introduce yourselves? Um, I'm Jess. I'm the singer and synth player in the band. <laughs> Uh, I'm Brown. I play uh, guitar and sing. Um, ben, um, bass player and band cynic. Band cynic, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you guys all meet then? Yeah, so um, uh, Jess and I met in New York uh, a few years ago and we've kind of, we both had music projects going uh, and then we just started writing together, um, kind of accidentally mm. it just uh just just happened and uh and then we were a little we'd both been in new york uh for a while and new york city is a bit tiring so we uh decided to try out a new city came over to london and then uh just had some friends over here so well i had one friend uh in london and um so we started hanging out and then i told her you know oh, we're looking for a bass player and a drummer and she was like i know a bass player um so through a friend of hers we got put in touch with ben and yeah it just uh <laughs> and and to ben yeah. yeah and then ben uh ben filled out the last piece of the puzzle yes <laughs> uh, so- george so BBC introducing, they've been featuring your track and the latest one, Kings and Machines. I love that tune. What inspired it? Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Um, so um, I think I started writing like the very basic lyrics, lyrical content um, the year before last. And I think I was just, there was a lot of, um, a lot of politics going on here and obviously uh, the United States has been a bit of a, a mess uh, the last few years, depending on how you feel about that. And yeah. um, and I just had this, I just started envisioning these kind of um, heartless, thoughtless, unfeeling leaders that were kind of just, you know, it, you know, in the song, they're literally grinding up the, the people for, uh, for their own benefit. And um, then once we, I have, that I tend to um, uh, quite often the way we'll write is I'll I'll start with some part and then I'll just be like uh, Jess you need to come in and write a nice catchy chorus and finish it up because I uh, can't be bothered I guess <laughs> so, um, well, yeah and the chorus took a while actually because um we were struggling with it a little bit and then it was just one night one of the benefits of living together is uh was like 11 p.m. and I was like I'm feeling inspired Brom take out your guitar and he was like for the love of God I just want to go to sleep and I was like please come on and um it just happened in like five minutes the course 
was written when we had struggled for like a month. Yeah, I mean, it was um, at least a month of pulling uh, teeth. Yeah. I love the tune. I love the way it's like, it's layered. And like you said, you can definitely tell there's, there's a message in there as a political statement as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I, I don't really necessarily think of us as a, like a political band, but like, if you're going to write about stuff that you care about, it's, has to be what's happening around you at the time and it's you know it's especially this year I mean I know it was, it was written before that but particularly this year you've been kind of stuck at home with this hyper focus on what's happening in the world and um, you know some of that's really good and some of it's really tiring because there's a lot of really uh, negative energy that comes from that when you're already feeling trapped in uh, you know dreaming of getting back to doing what you would normally be doing it can be a double-edged sword but i think the uh, i think the message is is universal enough that people can apply it to whatever situation they're in as well you know because politics can be very polarizing um and i think we've written something which is um applicable to lots of different situations and you can kind of read into it yeah. what you will when you hear it you know without us necessarily having to pin our flat you know plonk our flag down on, on one side or the other yeah and no, i think I... that's the beauty of art in general everyone can interpret it a different way and it's so interesting to hear how someone can interpret a song like if you don't tell them what it's about and they'll be like oh for me it's about this and that mm. it's like wow how interesting because that was not at all what was on my mind yeah um so yeah no it's like that with um, when we when we get told what bands we sound like and stuff. It's usually bands that none of us listen to, isn't it? But but people <laughs> <laughs> people pick out these influences. They hear things in you that, that, yeah. they, that they enjoy, and it's um, a cool thing about it. Yeah, yeah, that's the gift of music. Well, we're gonna hear that tune now. So this is King of the Machines. Keeps on turning the wheels Milling the meek into practical meals It sounded like a yes but all part of the deal Gratefully grinding them up where they need The king of the dirt is so proud of his lies He thinks he is on such clever disguise But it's easy to tell by his desperate eyes Even he knows it's just a matter of time
to where you touched on them Benny before about um when people often sort of you know describe who you may uh sound like as a, as a band yeah and is there an eclectic taste of music within the band with of course you being a, a transatlantic band as well yeah yeah I we, we are all kind of influenced by um uh different artists um and I think we all bring that to the pot. I don't know if there's actually any bands that we all love universally, the four of us, would you say? There's a couple, know. like Nirvana and the Beatles. Yeah, Nirvana. Like yeah. Nirvana. Nirvana. Yeah. Nirvana, yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Nirvana, then. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we all have different tastes, I guess. Yeah, I think there's some... Um, everybody has some overlap, though. So it kind of... Um, Wherever one of us ends, usually one of the other one picks up, and because uh, there's definitely times where Ben and George, because um, they're they're both from over here, just know a bunch of bands that I've never even heard before, um, and I, I suppose there's a little bit going the other way. And then Jess grew up in Europe, so she's got a whole different thing. But there's usually there's some common ground, which is always nice to have. But I think there's also um, the fact that we all like fairly different things. Um, kind of shapes how all those different things make it into our music as well, hopefully. No, I think it's a beautiful thing. And I, like listening to the couple of tunes that I've heard from you, I can sort of, you know, I can sense that, you know, there's a few different musical tastes, but it comes together and it, it creates something magical. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Well, I think all my, my favorite, like the, the bands that I really think about the most and the thing that I always appreciated about them is that they didn't really, there wasn't any like easy genre. They were very hard to pin down. Um, but then you could always, I always talk about The Doors probably the most. Um, for me, I, I grew up listening to The Doors and I think that they have such a unique sound, even still, but you always can tell it's them within like three seconds of a song. And that always really stood out to me what could make really um, distinctive music. One of the kings, Jim Morrison. Yeah, yeah, but everybody, you know, I mean, Robbie Krieger's a brilliant guitar player and Ray Manzarek, you know, defined the the, the organ mm -hmm. playing sound and John Densmore was such a um, expressive drummer, which is the whole thing I thought was bands, so interesting. Bands are just, they're just about chemist, chemistry. They're about, you know, four or five people coming together and bringing something, they create something unique together that they that they're bigger as some of their parts, you know, even the biggest band in the world, the Beatles, couldn't reach the same levels of success individually, even though they were all incredible songwriters and, um, and musicians, because there was something magical that comes together when you play together. And that's, that's the wonder of it, really. Mm. I'd agree with that totally. I, I think that's what sort of 
cultivates me to, to bands more than anything else. Although we've got some amazing solo artists, it's just those different dynamics within the bands, even if it's the tension sometimes within the bands, but it's that magic that happens and that comes across in the studio. So yeah. Yeah. as we um, as we're obviously li- living through unprecedented times, have you got any advance, uh, any advice to young bands starting out? And what do you think bands can learn from the last 12 months of we've been in various lockdowns? Um, I would say don't pressure yourself. Like don't put so much. I put a lot of pressure on myself and it just makes me like I'll, I'll, I'll be fine for a while. And then at one point I just break down and I can't handle the pressure that I'm putting on myself. Um, so, you know, when you're, if it's a band just starting out, it's a really difficult time to be starting out, but it's also maybe a time where they can really take their time to create mm. and um, not, not turn it into something where they have to constantly feel like they must be productive because that actually ends up being counterproductive and you end up doing less by trying to do a lot. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing that's um, been really strongly highlighted during this whole time is how much social media can be a positive thing and like, um, uh, we met you guys through Twitter, I think. Yeah, it was. It was on Twitter, yeah. And, and this whole community of people on Twitter that um, usually I'm, I'm running that account um, that we've met just during this lockdown, people I've never met in real life and all this stuff. And it's this really shockingly supportive music community of people who just love music. Um, you know, like uh, our, our friend Edwin uh, lives for music, and um, and uh, and uh, uh, God, uh, sorry, Moby, <laughs> Michael Tanner, uh, Rebirth of Cool, and uh, and all these people uh, who just are out there doing this all the time, Being and they so love supportive. It. it makes such yeah. a difference. And there's no there's no sense of you know anything other than just sheer like support and celebration. And I was, I had always kind of thought of Twitter as like, you know, a troll haven and all this stuff. So I've been really pleasantly surprised to see how music, you know, journalists and radio and other artists and everyone have really come together. We've made friends with a lot of bands that we've never actually met in real life. Um, that's, yeah, that's the same for us, like doing the podcast, doing the radio station. Moby Tanner, I've got to give him a shout out because hey. <laughs> yes, he's just he's got involved in our radio station and he's on air sometimes doing a, a takeover as a pirate. Yeah, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He gave us one of the uh, the most uh, I don't know. It's it's not even bad. It was just such a like out of left field. I would have never guessed anybody. Uh, when he heard King of Machines, he said, um, he reminded him of early meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> early meatloaf. <laughs> yeah, apparently, which I, it's like on my homework to-do list. I have to go back and listen because all I know is the, you know, I would do anything for love, but I wouldn't do that. And, you know, it's kind of his balladeering and uh, and Rocky Horror Picture Show. So it's it's in my homework uh, <laughs> to go back and check on. But, but it's not, you know, like... I think sometimes people also worry if they make a comparison between bands that somebody's going to take it poorly, but I, I don't think you can really. Um... Hey, we got Maroon 5 once. Yeah. <laughs> I still feel a little weird about that one. I'm oh, not going to lie. Man. It's been a few years and I'm not letting it go. Yeah. <laughs> ego on that guy. No. 
I can tell Benny is loving that comparison. Um, I, I, I saw, I'm a big, big American football fan, and I saw um, the, the lead singer, is it Adam Levine? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing, yeah. A, doing a performance at half time, and I've never seen such egotistical trash in my life. <laughs> I mean, he was so full of himself. I could not believe it. Wow. Um, right. Well, there goes our touring slot. Yeah. Well, we're going to be chief support. <laughs> yeah, right. But, um, yeah, they, they, we get a lot of, um, I think it must be the, the middle eight in, in King of Machines that's getting these kind of, kind of big bombastic comparisons. We've been getting a lot of um, queen comparisons um, from that section as well. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely insane because there's, uh, there's no vocals happening that have anything to do with what Freddie Mercury could do, but... <laughs> I wish I could sing like Freddie, but God. Can you hear that, Lewis? Can you hear can you hear or does it not make any sense? Um so the the Queen, I like I I'm gonna have to like I I I <laughs> sort of know where I know where Tanner's going with the meatloaf bit. <laughs> <laughs> I would never have said it, but like now, now it's sort of in front of you. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Can you uh, tell us? Uh, now even more so on our homework Yeah, can list. you bleep that out when you air it? I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hear it. Let's hear another one of your tunes now. And this is a real multi-layer tune. And it's probably my favorite song title of yours, Elephant Skeleton. Tell us a little bit about this one. And then I'm going to let one of you introduce it. You can fight it out among yourselves. <laughs> cool. I think actually um, that was the Maroon 5 reference was for Elephant Skeleton. Yeah, which is bizarre. <laughs> but um, yeah, Elephant Skeleton was um, a song that we started in New York. And I had this, it's funny, I went back and I found, I have the old voice memos and stuff. And they're, aside from being horrendous, um, it's surprising how much of the pieces were there very early on because... Again, I started with the verses on that. And then Jess heard me working on that. And she said, I want to sing on that. And I said, OK, write a chorus. Um, and, uh, and I think that's like one of the first songs we did together. Yeah. Um, I basically just walked in and I was like, I, I want to sing on that. And he was like, OK. And I was like, I am going to sing on that. <laughs> he was like, OK. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to write it now. And um, yeah, we worked on the chorus. and. Um, yeah, and thematically, it was um, when I started writing it, I was thinking about I'd gone through uh, personal loss in the family, and I was just thinking about how differently people handle um, hard things like that, and how some people, yeah, some people it brings them closer, and then some people can only really focus on the negative. And so I kind of pictured these this person sitting and just literally was so you know. Um, caught up in the tragedy of it. They were just counting raindrops while this, they had this beautiful garden that's just wilting outside. Um, and they just forget to care for anything else except to dwell on this, this trouble that they're facing. Um, yeah, and that was, that was the start of it. Yeah, it originally didn't have a bridge. Um, and then in the studio, the producer, um, Matt Lawrence was like, you guys should write a bridge. That could be your homework for tonight. So went home and wrote a bridge and now we can't imagine without <laughs> yeah the whole dandelion wisp part was like a real because we I, met... I like that dandelion yeah i like that bit <laughs> thanks well we had um 
so basically, we, when we went to record the EP, we had a little collection of songs. And we had met Ben a couple of weeks before, because we just met Ben through a friend of a friend. And originally, he was just going to come in and do the EP with us. And then he was awesome. And he liked the music. So uh, he's... Big shouts oh. out, big love. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. So um, can't imagine it without them. No man, and um, and like just said, he gave uh, the producer gave us a little bit of homework on a few songs. There was another song in the EP that we we did like you know, basically wrote like three days before we went in. Yeah. Um, and there's just something about that urgency that you get. It, when people can really light a fire under us, it uh, <laughs> it helps because it's very easy to sit and meddle forever. So the uh, the dandelion wisp, I can't imagine it without it, but uh, it was really no. last minute. Yeah, I love that. Honestly, like when I was listening to that dandelion, yes. Well, let's <laughs> let's hear it now. This one is over to you to introduce. All right. Well, this is elephant skeleton. fields are ever full again Shapes before you realized it was too late. 
passing instant where it's been The dandelion whispers ever Further from their lips forgetting In a passing instant where it's been So if you could go for a drink with anybody in the music industry, who would you choose? Kurt Cobain. I was going to say, it's, de- <laughs> it's definitely not going to be Maroon 5, is it? Alive or dead. Sorry, I should have specified. <laughs> I mean, I could take a skeleton out, I guess. <laughs> go on, I'm going to let you go with anyone. So anybody in their prime. Okay. Yeah, 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 I'm good. I'm, I'm Kurt Cobain. Do you have any Kurt Cobain. Yeah. I, I had only been thinking about the living. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I've been listening to these uh, Louis Theroux um, lockdown interviews he's been doing recently. And um, he did one with Sia. And uh, oh, yeah. I, th- I, was re- I thought she was a really interesting character, just refreshingly frank and um, just so honest in her answers and just like absolutely crippled by nerves so much so you know how when she performs she kind of covers her face and has other people performing for her I hadn't I thought that was just an artistic choice but I mean she's literally being sick before going on stage she's so nervous and um yeah I I would like to speak to her actually I'm not a huge I think she's talented but I thought she was just a really interesting person who's had a lot of success in the music industry and found it really hard traversing it yeah yeah. that's really interesting because i'm with you there i i thought it was part of the app that she was you know covering her face and mm. yeah wow you learned something new about ben yeah. i mean i get the covering your you know yeah. face. like initially uh when we started the band i i told rom i never want to show my face ever and everything should just be animated <laughs> um and it's just yeah no i i totally get it <laughs> yeah it's super common you know uh yeah. jim morrison used to when he first joined the doors he would perform with his back to the audience because he couldn't do it oh really i didn't know that right when he first joined the band he wouldn't even sing he would just play harmonica and hide off to the side so um yeah it's definitely um a consideration um you see i've always had this perception that jim morrison was like ultra confident and i don't know i don't know why yeah right. well because he you watch him on those old live videos and stuff, and he looks like a rock god, you know? Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. It's funny, Hendrix is like that too, though. You watch interviews with him, and he looks so uncomfortable, and he, like, curls up 
physically like he's a uh, he was a tall skinny guy and he just curls up into himself and he's answering questions so uncomfortably janice joplin was super uh you know i remember there's that uh interview with uh I can't remember his name. He used to do wonderful interviews. And her whole fantasy is about, because she's famous and she's talking about going to her high school reunion. And she basically just wants to go back and, and rub it in everyone's face because they all made fun of her for being, uh, for being ugly or something or poor or, yeah. or all of the above. And she just wanted to go back and get revenge on those people by rubbing it in her, their face that she's Janice Joplin now. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting how much... Um, these these rock gods are uh, are driven by this insecurity. Yeah. I don't I, I don't think you'll find an incredible artist out there that hasn't got isn't racked with self doubt. I, I think it's so common. And, yeah. and when they talk about you know coming alive on stage or feeling at home on stage, it's it's a genuine thing. You know, like they come alive for a two hour show and then they just retreat back inside themselves when they leave the stage. It's a, like Adam the yeah, many fine because it's a freedom a freedom of expression, obviously, and it's yeah. you know sometimes channeling those insecurities and yeah, absolutely. So we've got three three of you uh, on the line tonight. I'm going to ask you if you could choose three Glasgow headliners. Who would they be? So I'm going to let you all choose one each. So one of you can take a Friday, Saturday, and then the final night. Let's set the rules. They have to be alive. Yeah, or yeah. Is I was, going, I was going with alive. Um, <laughs> okay, let's go with alive Glasgow performers then. So Friday night. Yeah. Let's kick things off. Who's, who wants oh. to jump in? <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for. We're gonna start off with uh, Radiohead. Ooh, nice. I, I think they're possibly the best band that's come out during my lifetime really in terms of their longevity and what they've what they've given to music and and you know they've headlined glastonbury before and it was incredible i saw them a few times in in the mid to late 80s when they were going when they were touring around with these uh, acoustically designed tents that they were setting up in in fields because they weren't happy with the sound in the venues um and it was incredible it was just really incredible i think amazing musicians where was that then in the mid to late 80s? Did you no, say the 90s? 90s, 90s. Right, I was going to say, what? <laughs> you don't look old enough firstly. I didn't know radio had been going that long. <laughs> <laughs> I was also curious, but I also didn't want to reveal that I didn't know Radiohead was a band in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You said I'm sorry. the 80s, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, went to, uh, I went to Glasgow three years ago, actually, for my, uh, my 30th and... Radiohead played a Friday night and I was in, we were walking back to the tent. It was about five o'clock and just get talking to people walking home. And they said, right, mate, have you had a good night? He said, oh, Radiohead, absolutely amazing. But then my boss texted me and said, you're coming up live on BBC One. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay, Saturday night then. Um, what you got? God. Well, they're one of my favorite bands, so I might go with System, System of a Down, just because wow. I've, I've actually never seen them live, um, and I really, really want to. Um, they would absolutely light the place up on a Saturday night as well. Oh my God, yes. Mm. I, I'd be there, front row. Yes. <laughs> Quished by the mosh pit. <laughs> <laughs> it would be verging on dangerous, wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, the fun dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fun dangerous. So we've got Radiohead, System of Down, and Sunday night closing it. Boy. It's 
hard one choice. Um, I'll I'll go with what what was the first thing that popped into my head uh, earlier was um, Saint Vincent. I think Saint Vincent is really nice choice. Yeah, awesome, choice. awesome guitar, super unique performer. Um, I saw her when she was still a support act in New York, and I remember I didn't know who she was, and I just remember kind of like all of a sudden tuning in and being like, oh, wow, that's a really uh, amazing guitar work happening and the, the arrangements are so cool and strange. I just think she's very, um, yeah, very unique. Story. Yeah, beautiful voice as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so much cool stuff. Definitely. So have you guys managed to think outside the box in terms of maintaining fans' interest without the live gigs? Have you done any, any of the... Um, gigs on social media or anything else that's completely um, out there? Yeah. So at the beginning, we did do a couple of uh, live streams mm -hmm. and we did do um, some covers of mm -hmm. bands that we like. We did a little mini documentary of It Was Still Dark. Mm -hmm. That was really fun to make. <laughs> oh, where, where can I find that then? Um, on, yeah, on YouTube. If you just type Tiger Mimic. Um, it's YouTube yeah. slash Tiger Mimic. Yeah, you YouTube slash Tiger Mimic. You can, you can see it. It's uh, It Was Still Darkumentary, we called it. Um, <laughs> and yeah. yeah, just like talking about the story of it. And um, my cat makes an appearance in it. Yeah. Really cool <laughs> worth watching um and uh what else did we do oh well we did the um, little comic book with the yeah you know, filmed the video so oh, yeah yeah we were forced to um to improvise a lot because like uh, for it was still dark we I, we ended up with an animated music video but originally we had this whole uh kind of twin peaks you know thing to film that um that we just couldn't yeah, our manager at the time um, had this amazing idea, and um, we were really bummed out we couldn't Basically, do it with her. <laughs> we had the idea in like early March, and we were like, "Yeah, let's do it." And then, you know, two weeks later, there was just nothing happening. So, oh yeah. no! So I had to learn how to animate on the fly. So did you learn? Did you animate the video then? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, there's some new new skills learned there then. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you know, it was like you said before, you light the fire and you just have to roll with it. And um, Jess got me one of those little sketch pads that I can hook up to my computer. And um, I had about two weeks um, before the song was being released. And so um, we wanted to have the song out and, and ready to premiere, sorry, the video and ready to premiere by then. So I, I did it in like 11 days of just working from the moment I woke up till I couldn't look at the screen anymore. It was like uh, 12 hour days at the computer yeah. and then his eyes were so red I was like you okay <laughs> <laughs> no I can imagine and props to you for doing that because well, then we weren't used to being locked up for that long now that's like every day but you know oh, back then it felt like uh, you know the, the, if I go outside now I come out in a rash <laughs> <laughs> well for my eyes to adjust to looking at far off objects yeah no, because I spoke to somebody else recently who did an animated video, but they got somebody, they knew somebody who um, who yeah. was their field, and they said it like, you know, they felt, really, they felt really bad on the person because they gave them this project, and it took like a specialist about two months of hard work to get this three-minute video nailed down. Yeah, it's, um, 
if you have friends that can do it, I definitely recommend not learning. Um, <laughs> so basically we've had three animated music videos now. So I did one for Elephant Skeleton a couple of years ago. And, but the way I did it was it, it wasn't like proper animation. I just made in like Photoshop, I made a photo for each frame and I would just very subtly move the pieces in each frame. So, and then I just put all of those photos into a movie program. In a way it's, it's actually sort of like super traditional animation where I had to make an individual cell for each one. And that took like a couple of months because it, if you've ever seen it, it looks like a, an, like an eighties uh, video game or like a super Nintendo game or something like that. And so it was very ambitious of me to be like, oh, I'm going to have all these pieces and all these different scenes and we're going to be in it somehow and all this stuff. And um, I, I just kind of, um, well, I, I just aimed for the fence, I guess. And um, it cost me <laughs> a lot of time in front of the computer. Um, so the It Was Still Dark one, because I was able to just draw it, it, it went a lot faster um, even though I, I did it in a much more concentrated dose. Um, and then the King of Machines video uh, was sort of the split the difference between the two. I had a little bit more time to work on it, so I didn't chain myself to the desk. Um, but it, again, it was a different style. So uh, it's been, like you said, you, you end up learning all these new skills that you didn't know or want yeah. uh, because you have to. <laughs> but then it's kind of fun and cool. Like when it's all done, I'm like, oh, awesome. It's done. <laughs> but I'm going to check the video out now. Computer, I was like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to check the video out now. And like you said, I mean, like, I think if one thing, if there's one positive that people can take in the last 12 months, it's the creative. Mm. I think like the creative process has got stronger for artists. And like, just like, like we were talking before, you know, communities on social media and everything, yeah. everyone's yeah. sort of coming together. And yeah. I think we're going to see some amazing albums released this year. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Already a few lined up that are uh, pretty exciting. So, but, uh, definitely. Yeah. So, if you guys could go back in time then and watch any classic historic gig anywhere in the world, now this is Dead or Alive. You can go anywhere. You can go to Seattle in '92 and see Nirvana. You can go to California in '68 and see the Doors. You can go wherever you want. Yeah. Which gig would you would you go and watch? Front row. No. Yeah. Um, I'd probably go with the um, Nirvana MTV Unplugged because I Oh, what a gig. Yes. What a gig that is. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah I'd, be, I'd be at the Good very choice. front or right next to him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Security. <laughs> you have to take me out. <laughs> yeah, definitely that gig. I'm gonna go up to the uh, the rooftop and see the Beatles in. Oh, beautiful! Um, there's no front row there, so I'd have to be clinging to the side of the building. But up <laughs> <laughs> sailing down the building. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you managed to see? Um, so Peter Jackson is directing a oh, new. Oh man. yes! It's incredible, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It looks like you are there, doesn't it? It looks oh, like you are yes. there. Wow. And it looks like it's going to challenge that pre that notion, you know, like it, uh, people have always assumed that they were all at each other's throats during that session. Yeah, and I think in the footage he's released, they're having so much fun. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. it's going to rewrite history a little bit. 
I think so as well. I mean, obviously, yeah, there were tensions, but you can just see that there was also a, a lot of love in that room. Yeah, totally. Yeah, what a bunch of goofballs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little bit like watching Hard Day's Night or Help or something, you know? Like, you can see that that was just their personality a bit and that probably they weren't much of actors at all. No. <laughs> hard, hard Day's Night where they're on the train with uh, Steptoe, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Wait, what? What band would you see? Uh, oh, sorry. Yes, we got one more. Um, I, I don't know. I it's kind of a toss up. Um, I don't have a specific Doors one, but I would say pretty much any Doors one where he wasn't fall down drunk. But maybe I'd go Woodstock and Hendrix and. I just go with that. I mean, he's probably the single greatest influence in my my musical life, and uh, it's just such a brilliant show. Yes, there's um there's an amazing video on YouTube as well of Hendrix, and I think it was the Woodstock uh, video, but it just again it looks like you're there. Somebody's really sort of digitally remastered it, and it is amazing. Yeah, yeah, what a show. I mean, Jimmy on that guitar, wow. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I'm like, I could just as easily go Monterey or, or something else. And uh, anyway, about wow. to get tangent about how much I love Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. I love thank the songs. Thank you so much for having us, Lewis. Uh, no, it's been my pleasure. And I love the songs that we've heard so far. I oh. can't wait for more. And uh, hopefully there's gonna hopefully there's gonna be an album soon. If I can I get uh, an exclusive on that? <laughs> <laughs> We'd be writing like crazy if we're yeah. ever allowed in the same room again. We'll uh, you know we'll, get, know we'll get back to work. Yeah. Next next you know goal is to get get recording. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear it. Thank oh, you. thank you. Thank you, guys. So to end the show. We're going to have one more song and it's going to be one that we haven't featured yet and I'm going to let you guys choose it. All right. Uh, one of our... One of, one of your songs, of oh, course, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, we're, we're not, yeah. <laughs> have you heard of Kurt Cobain? <laughs> yeah. um, well, Lewis, I'd like to choose Maroon 5. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. I think that's the way to end this. Yeah, and, and us. And us. I would say maybe it was still dark. How are you guys feeling about that? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the one. Cool. So oh. here, it was still dark. It was still dark. Let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs>